Welcome to CinemaScope, a new podcast from True Story FM. Hi, I'm Andy Nelson, co-host of the Next Real Film podcast and Movies We Like. As a passionate movie lover, I've always relished exploring the diverse landscape of cinema. And when you look closer at the taxonomy of genres, subgenres, and film movements, you see an intricate web of interconnections and influences. This complex cinematic family tree spans only 125 years. So how did styles as diverse as the French New Wave, New Queer Cinema, and Ozploitation emerge? What cultural, economic, and technological forces sculpted these styles? And what hidden threads unite them all as part of the same fantastic art form? Those questions sent me on a journey to explore each style and trace their impacts, all to better understand the bridges between different styles. And that led me here to CinemaScope. In each episode, I'll be exploring one particular genre, subgenre, or film movement in depth, inviting expert guests to help us all better understand what defines that style, how it came to be, and what branches it, in turn, influenced on this big cinematic family tree. For example, how did German Expressionism shape American film noir? What's the difference between Westerns, Spaghetti Westerns, and Brazilian Nordesterns? We'll examine the economic and socio-political forces that birthed categories like black exploitation, and we'll spotlight visionary films and directors key to the evolution of different styles. So join me as we explore the complex forces that shape film's evolution and appreciate the diverse creativity possible in its relatively brief history. Let Cinemascope be your guide to understanding this art form we cherish how its genres blend, bounce off each other, and advance a rich tapestry of storytelling innovation. Together, we'll gain a deeper appreciation for this wondrous, shape-shifting medium. Our journey begins soon. Be part of this adventure by subscribing to CinemaScope today. I'm Detective Lieutenant Elliot, and this is Trooper Wagner. We just want to ask a few questions. We understand the night of his demise, the family have gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it? The party? Pre-my dad's death? Oh, it was great. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to request that you all stay until the investigation is completed. What? Can we ask why? Has something changed? No. No, it hasn't changed, or no, we can't ask. I'm gonna live. You did it! You found another special episode of The Film Board from The Next Reel on Rashpixel.fm. We spoil movies, and this month, we've gone and done something we've never done before. We saw an advanced screening coordinated in three different cities. If you were ahead of the game like us, you may have caught Knives Out at your local theater on Friday, November 22nd, but if not, you can catch it on the official release date this November 27th, and tonight, we're going to spoil the whole darn thing for you. Let's take a second and introduce our gang of thugs tonight. Welcome to Spoiler Town. Beat right. Knives are out. Beaks are bloody. <laughs> Hello, Tommy Handsome. It's me. I'm here, too. <laughs> and spoiling always feels so good with Steve Sarmento. Well, all I can tell you is that I think Ryan Johnson, Bob Duxay, and Steve Yedlin did it in Boston, Massachusetts with an Ari Alexa 65 and Hasselblad Prime 65 lens. <laughs> I did Very not know nice. where that was going. Yeah. That was that was a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> Movie's not even out yet, and that's a deep cut. Love it. I'm JJ, and I feel like not only are the stakes high for us tonight because it is a pre-release spoiler fest, but I know we sometimes can feel trepidation about spoiling this genre. Knives Out is a bit of an old school mystery movie. What other ones have been like this for us on the film board? I know we did Murder on the Orient Express for yep. sure. Are there any others? Well, we've done Clue. Oh, you guys have done that uh, on the we main did Clue show. And we did uh, Death, uh, Murder by Death, and okay, um, okay. and so we've we've done a couple of these, right? See, uh, three or four of them. Well, so Clue and Clue with the multiple endings. That I mean, that's somewhat the same, but different as well. And since these are older on the main show, this is probably the only time yeah. that we've done this that doesn't have the older 
story or that something that someone would have had a chance to see the mystery in advance. I'm wondering if we are reaching the pinnacle of spoilery here. Oh, I see. Because oh, we're even ahead true. of the game. Up yeah. Mystery <sighs> that's not technically out yet. And we're going to talk about it. It's yeah. so much. Spoil. I'm super see? intimidated yes. now. I didn't know. That's I didn't what I'm here for. That. I'm here for stakes. Yeah. It's a good it's point. Good it's a really good point. Well, if that's the case, then maybe we'll hold up a little bit and make a distinct call out when we get into spoiler territory. I, I you know, we'll, right. we'll play it. We'll play a little fast and loose, but we'll do it uh, before you get. We get started here. If you're listening to the show, you should go learn all the good stuff about the Next Real extended family of podcasts at thenextreel.com. There are cool ways to join us and our fun community of film fanatics there. So come on in because we want to continue the conversation with you. If you haven't heard, the best way to support us is over at patreon.com slash the next reel. We yeah. appreciate all of your ears and all of your support. Okay. So. Oh, wait. My knee. Oh. Merch. Oh, merch. Merch. The next reel.com slash merch. The next reel.com slash merch. If you go there, you'll go over to our T public store and you'll be able to get, uh, you know, next reel stickers and shirts and all kinds of fun <laughs> things. And I'm only saying that because it's, in the United States, it is Thanksgiving uh, week as you are listening to this, if you're current. And that means we're going into Black Friday and we're going into sure. Cyber Monday. And man, they are just they want to sell you stuff hard. So <laughs> as long as you're buying stuff hard, you might as well buy hard stuff from us <laughs> and get some next real stuff. Put some stickers on your stuff. And it's great. Stuff all your stickers and with next reel. This may be the, welcome, the wrong question America. to ask right now, but is that hat that you're wearing right now in oh. this live YouTube feed? Is that available? Oh. This is not available. <laughs> the next reel hat. Collectors. It is a collector's edition. We we are gonna do another run of hats, but we need to take pre-orders for hats. That's a special, special thing. So here's a brainstorm. I, no. On yeah. Patreon.com, we create this upper level of the hats off our heads. <gasps> oh, that's good. And then we sign. I, I, this is, you know, free form. We're doing this on the show. Look but at what still, you're doing here. This blue sky this is what we can do. I love it. Yeah, here we go. So we have these wonderful hats. You see them on YouTube. You have a chance to get one. I, I'll sign mine if you want it. Let's do it. Yeah. Join, <laughs> hey, us, guys. join up with us at Patreon. Guys, just brainstorming, just brainstorming. <laughs> you give us $20. We will give you this podcast. It is your <laughs> podcast. You can talk about whatever you want. We don't care. $20. Patreon. <laughs> Right. We're really shooting all of that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, we're all in. <laughs> OK, mm -hmm. so let's kick mm -hmm. off with really general initial thoughts and feelings that you guys had on this. What are your impressions <laughs> and reactions to Knives Out? Pete Wright. I don't I hate going first, oh. uh, but I'm going to do it because remember that. Uh, pioneers take the most arrows right uh. here. I deeply enjoyed this movie. Okay. I had a great time. I was all smiles the whole way through. Uh, I am an undisputed, unmitigated fan of Ryan Johnson, except for Floating Leia. Uh, I <laughs> really enjoy uh, his work, Brick uh, Brothers Bloom. Uh, I'm just, I'm just a fan, and so uh, this movie lived up to uh, everything I wanted out of it, out, out of subverting some of the whodunit. Uh, tropes and still having a lot of fun. All smiles. Uh, I, I thought it was great. All right. That's a very positive pioneering aspect to that first call, Pete. Let's see how many arrows mm -hmm. are out there. Steve, Steve Sorrento, <laughs> what did you think of it? <laughs> I, I, maybe not as enthusiastic as Pete, but I did enjoy that, as he said, it really subverted the conventions of the genre, but it still gave me everything I wanted in a murder mystery, a very suspenseful story. I don't think I'm getting into spoilery too much if I say that what was really unique about this is that we the the who done it gets known very early on. It, so it gave me a lot of questions to ask as far as where the story was going, how is it going to still be a mystery, what was going on, and it kept me really intrigued, engaged, and trying to keep up. While as you know, a big fan of movies, trying to jump three steps ahead and anticipate where this was going always kept me on my toes and I really, really enjoyed it. You know, and I don't think that's a spoiler either, especially because Ryan Johnson came out very early on and said that he didn't want the audience to be trying to figure out who did it. So, and that's part of that subversion that you guys are talking about. So they do give you the the idea of the story very early and the rest of the movie is unraveling how it all came together. And I think that's kind of one of the smart things about this movie. Tommy, what did you think about The Knives Out? Well... 
<laughs> Every podcast needs differing opinion. I am not one of them. I thought it was outstanding. I thought it was <laughs> so man. entertaining. It's one of the most entertaining films I feel like I've seen this year. With the subversion, you're right. It told you who did something. And then there was still so much to learn in a way that yeah. was so smart. You could get ahead of it. But even sometimes if you were ahead of the movie, the way that he delivered the answers was still so enjoyable. I was just blown away. I thought everyone looked like they were having a great time. It's my favorite ensemble uh, dark movie since Ready or Not, which I know didn't come out that long ago. But these two, I think, really will stand the test of time. I thought it was outstanding. and. I don't know why I said and. I don't have anything else. <laughs> I just assumed I had something else to say. And I'm marrying it. <gasps> you guys, I'm getting married to the movie. That's impossible. Okay, the end. I really love it. It's about time. It's California. <laughs> there will be a Citizens Initiative in no time. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I love that you guys all felt that way about it. I didn't dislike it in any way. I did. One mm. of the difficulties that came up for me when I was ranking it on my my personal flick chart was that I felt like the movie in general was was in the smaller variety. It was a little bit thin in places, that, but it didn't bother me about it. I thought it was a great movie, too. I enjoyed it almost entirely the whole way through. Pete and I actually saw it together, so we've had a oh, little, that's right. little bit of a spoilery uh, conversation for us, okay. right, for this show. But, um, but I, I, you know, there were points where I was feeling kind of alone in the, in the, in the shallowness of the film. But other than that, I don't think that's a problem because I think it is a well-encompassed story. And for the purpose of the mystery, this is the way that these movies are supposed to be made. So I liked it too. Uh, but very quickly, I, I want to do it. I'm going to give a synopsis of the film and I think it will have the conclusion spoiled. But I'm not sure. Okay, here we go. A wealthy family patron is found dead after his birthday party, after he tells all of his sycophantic family hangers-on that he is going to cut them off and out of his will. Uh, his death is initially ruled a suicide, but the family and their entanglements are investigated, their money motives become suspicious, and their lives lies weave a confusing web. It's brought together by a renowned detective with a comical drawl who leverages ridiculously poignant dysfunction in the patron's bed nurse because she vomits every time she lies, <laughs> which is... That in and of itself is unique and and special about this movie. And she was the last one to see him alive. But I didn't spoil it with that. But that might be okay. What what more should we say here in terms of the synopsis? Maybe we don't need to get into it yet. Maybe we can make this show a mystery unto itself. We can who will be the one that detects or reveals the first real spoiler. Right. And who killed me? <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, I see here in the notes, I think this is from you, Pete, that uh, you said he came up the concept with this for this movie after he finished Brick. Is that, is yeah, that accurate? That's, oh, that's wow. my understanding that, that he's been tooling around with this for a long time. Huh. And, uh, and, you know, he finally, so he came up with the idea after Brick, he made Brothers Bloom and finally said, this is going to be the next thing I do. I'm going to make this movie, this whodunit, modern whodunit, and then Star Wars happened. Sure. And so he's just been in a place of distraction since then. Mm. So, um, you know, once the table was was set, I, you know, I think it's actually great because he has, like, to Tommy's point, this, this uh, uh, at his disposal now, he has this incredible ca ensemble cast. Who wouldn't have all um, joined up right after Brick, who, of course. Yeah, probably uh, it might not have had yeah. as much clout. Yeah. Uh, to 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 do that right after brick i you know i don't know i think it's he made use of these people in a way that i think shows a maturing of his uh directorial style and chops and and i think uh it's been really fun to revisit a little bit of brick and brothers bloom uh it, it going into this one because uh, you can really see how he is developing as a director and you can see how tight this film is you know, it has how tight it has gotten over, particularly the Brothers Bloom, which I think loosened up a bit. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I still love that movie very much. And I, I actually really love that Rachel Weisz is in that one. And now he's directing Daniel Craig in this one. I think that's really charming. Mm. Uh, they share a bed. Oh. Oh, did okay. you hear me go? Hmm, I, I felt like because I had no idea that. why. I was like, I because they're the I same person. Like no. Okay, good. I'm glad that you did that because I was just trying to pretend to be smart. Could you tell? Pete knows from my face when I'm like, exactly. 
Well, you mentioned that they might not have uh, had the cast sign on after Brick. What do we think the reason is to work with this? Because I think it's I think we're going to get into more about the story here, but I think it's a pretty innovative movie and an innovative story in and of itself. But do is this just Ryan's cachet after coming off of this big uh, Alpha Star Wars or is there something more that brings all these names together? I'm going to say I think it's the, the story may have been there after Brick, but I think the writing I think the experience he had in crafting, you know, working on, you know, Brothers Bloom, uh, Looper, you know, just the experience that he had to to be able to write something that's darkly comic like this, just a lot of the jokes. I think a lot of that piece takes some some skill and craft in writing. And I, I did go onto YouTube and look at some of the interviews and there were a lot of questions about how much of this was improvised or what did you bring to this character? And everybody basically said, this was all on the page. Really? This was yeah. all, this was all there. So I think that's the story was there after break, but I think this version of this story wouldn't have been there at, at that time. And I'm thankful that we were able to get this now uh, because I think just there, there were, I had so much fun. With these characters, the story, there was there was so much for them to work with. Uh, I know it's spread out. I mean, this is a huge ensemble cast, so we we don't get a lot of any one character, which in some ways is a is a is a plus because we get so much of, of everybody, but we don't get deep with any one character. We don't have a audience surrogate that we're really following along. But uh I still really enjoyed the bits and pieces of moments of time I have with each of these characters through the story. And I think that uh, to follow along that line, Brick proved that he could deliver with dialogue and naughty sort of uh, plotting. Looper proved that he could really tell a story non-linearly. And Star Wars mm-hmm. proved that he could handle a big cast and a lot of money. And so this feels like like I can handle all these. So even give me something smaller, more contained like Brick and I'll blow it out of the water, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much trust I think that people would give to him is this counter programming for traditional family movies during thanksgiving weekend is that what's happening here because i mean we all liked this movie you guys especially like this movie a lot so how in what way is knives out going to come to a place where people are going to be able to support it and make sure that it gets the kind of uh, response that it needs so it was a family event for us. Oh, so nice. uh, I went, rated? my wife went, my daughter went, PG-13. it's PG-13. Um, both my in-laws went. So there were five Smart. of us that went and everybody had a, had a great time with this. Mm. So I, I don't know that, it, I think it's counter-programming to younger family entertainment for those with, with small children. But I think for anybody with teens, yep, this is great fun for the, the whole family. It's the anti-frozen crowd. I, that, I was just going to say that. I mean, that feels like, you know, it's a, it's a very different message. Maybe not quite as wholesome, but but really fun. Yeah. I always think about movies at this time period, mm-hmm. always thinking yes. about awards. Yeah. And yes. it's this it, it's too big uh, spread out wise, cast wise, as we've already said. I think everyone is enormously fantastic in it, but no one has like a huge enough scene except maybe uh, the the um, nurse. <laughs> yeah, I really Marta. had to think Marta? about that. Marta, Marta yes. Um, right. But the screenplay is so, I mean, the jumping back and forth, one person finishing someone else's sentence, it's my favorite stuff in the entire world. Uh, and so could that be a possibility or... I suppose it could. I think the yeah. story definitely, right? Because yeah. we have this yeah. sort of reverse engineering, this nonlinear story like you were talking about. I think that's really interesting and could get that kind of cachet. I didn't particularly love the dialogue. I think it's I think mm. it's great that that you really liked how people were finishing the sentences and you get that sort of the bickering, right, of everyone. And that's done really well, orchestrated really well. But in terms of the lines, I didn't love all the lines too much. Um, there's one line that we talk about where... Uh, when the uh, when Chris Evans comes back in and uh, and and he's talking about reopening the investigation or coming back to look and he says, "What is this CSI KFC?" That one's not good. Y- y- yeah. I don't so- I don't like that one. I agree, but I like a lot of the other ones, and I like some of the social satire about what we are dealing with. What we're dealing with, we're trying to keep this apolitical. What America is currently at <laughs> with the Trump administration and things. I mean, there's it's weirdly also has to do with that. Sure. As sort sure. of a little B yes. story, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. And that talks about well, very much. And, and, and it buries some of its uh, some of its class discussion in the mystery, like mm-hmm. not quite sure how to handle 
uh, Marta and her family and their position. And just when you think you have a handle on what what they're doing and what her motivation is, she plays there. There's such nuance in her performance scene to scene through the second and, and third act that you're just never quite sure what she is up on and what she isn't like i found myself constantly questioning i didn't mind the kfc line at all i thought it was super fun and i think that coming from captain america made it that much better uh <laughs> I, I thought it was i thought it was great i did not have the script problems that you guys did i i was right i was right along with it well and that'll jump uh, us right to performance right i mean we've got daniel craig playing benoit blanc and my mm-hmm. and his and his accent, I've already talked to Pete a little bit about this, but his accent was hard for me. I felt like it was something trying to do something Creole Creole or something, you know, this, I guess. But maybe it was meant to be just generally Southern. It, it, it Again, I got over it. It's not something <laughs> that stuck with me through the throughout the film. But at times it was very confusing to me what he was doing. I was going to make a foghorn leghorn joke on this podcast, except the movie made it. For me, <laughs> yes, Chris exactly. Evans calls him Foghorn Leghorn at one point. And I was like, "All right, good." Yeah, yeah. I I posted a link uh, for you guys to a YouTube video just to hear an example of the guy that uh, uh, he apparently based his accent on, and that is uh, writer and journalist Shelby Foot, okay, uh, who died in two thousand five, and he is from uh, Greenville, Mississippi. And he has a very unique way of speaking. And so I, too, had a little bit of um, uh, difficulty with the accent. I found it drifted into his character for me after just a few minutes. But then I went back and I listened to Shelby Foote and it just locked for me. Uh I just feel I get what he was going for. And it may have not uh, been something that that sort of adapted to the character, but I do get what what he was going for with that accent. And it's not as bothersome as some other movie accents that we've we've certainly run across in this. To JJ's credit, I part of me as you're sort of like overactively trying to figure things out, even if you don't want to in a mystery movie, I was expecting him to potentially drop it a la Ryan Phillippe in Gosford Park. That he, for some reason, Uh, had a reason to be putting on because it's so uh, big. Well, the accent is the accent is half of the character. The accent is to him as the mustache was to Yeah, to what's his name? Quenneth Quenneth. Kenneth Bernard in No, it's pronounced Quenneth. (laughs) It's pronounced (laughs) Quenneth. And he's opening goop. Okay, go ahead. Well, and we should say that Benoit Blanc, you know, is the is the detective character. He's the guy that's brought yeah. in to do this. And uh, we have said that he's or we've seen in reports that people are talking about him as a Southern Poirot or this kind of thing where they're bringing him in to have that kind of big personality like that. And with Pete, what you're talking about with this link, it sounds like that's the natural thing that's there. But I was doing the same thing as Tom. I was thinking there can't there must be something that's not completely correct yeah. about this because it has to be a gambit right <laughs> and this movie well, that's the, i think that this, that's the whole point of a movie like this i think is to sort of keep you uh off balance on this as far as is everybody who they appear to be and is is somebody playing a con on someone else and so you have a character that goes big like this but it, it does fit in with the with the poirot type of a character of somebody that's sort of a I don't want to say caricature, but borderline on that with such a big personality. It, it fits with, to me, again, the expectations of, of the genre. So I went along with it yeah. for that. Well, and here maybe we should talk about the spoiler, right? If this, because we're talking about expectations and what we and, and what we think through all this, it, what when we talk about Ryan Johnson trying to make it not that traditional whodunit where we all uh, we all are wondering who was doing it the whole time. What he does is he creates. Uh, a, a knowledge base for us to understand who the killer was or how uh, the patron dies early. And at that point, it, it kind of changes the way that you watch this movie. If you're just watching how uh, how the, the murder or how the death happened, it's no longer a whodunit, even though what they did is give us motives for everyone else in the house at the time. It is a little sure. disconcerting at first. I remember sort of going... Oh, 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 like we we just got here. 
Like, what yeah. are we? Okay. Like, I was afraid that like they switched the reels. We don't have reels anymore. <laughs> no, but- we have DCP, <laughs> but still, like, like I was like, uh oh. All right. But for me, that that created some great dramatic tension because now it became a case of can this person outwit the great detective? And to see that play out of how can this person now try to dis- hide their tracks and and keep him from discovering, you know, who this, you know, what happened uh, created a different type of expectation, you know, for me of where the story was going and it made it a completely different type of movie, still just as, as fun and kept still kept you know, that suspense because it's the, is, is he still going to figure it out? But now for different reasons, you're not rooting for him. You're almost rooting against. That's him. the subversion of the genre. And at this yeah. point we can't keep saying this person because we have to say that we have Ana to. de Armas as Marta <laughs> accidentally uh, in, in her yeah. belief kills this patron. Right. And then she conspires with this patron to cover her tracks. And the rest of the story at this point in the story is for us to try to uh, believe in our protagonist, this wonderful Marta and, and how she can actually follow all of the instructions she was given so that she does have her tracks covered in this. Um, but that's the subversion because it is still a mystery. It's just told in reverse in that we know the outcome, yet we're following this uh, detective trying to suss her out. And there's an earlier just this isn't as important for the long term conversation, but there is a subversion even before that that I think he uses to make us to make this subversion palatable is we just the audience are given information before Daniel Craig during their initial interviews. And that never many All of them, we see them all lie that that's never happened in any Agatha Christie or something. He has to figure out those things. And at the very end, you see what really happened. We're seeing what really happened just in the middle of a conversation, which is fascinating. That's the thing that that I think I found really twisted about the architecture of this movie. The first 15 minutes, we get the whole thing and we see all of the mechanics of their lies uh, during their interviews. It was at one hour as I'm sitting there and I look at my watch and I think, well, all of the questions that I personally had have now been answered. <laughs> right. What the hell comes next? Right. I have another hour and 15 some odd minutes with this movie. And now it's a why done it. And I'm supposed <laughs> to care about that. And that is what's really marvelous about this movie yeah. is that I did. I found myself deeply interested in what he was going to give me in the next hour. I haven't felt like genuinely interested in the surprise part of the mechanic in a long time. And I think that's a real gift of this movie. And that's what that's something that he is sort of uniquely um interested in playing with in his other films too and i i just i felt i felt really good about that twist so now that we've got sort of this whole subversion up front and you you now know this is this going to hold up to a rewatch i mean because i i know there's one thing that i am already thinking about i need to go back and watch this again because during the, that early scene as they're being interviewed and benoit's in the back and he strikes those piano keys is I, I need to be paying attention to know, is he cueing us in that he's detected a lie? What's going on with those yeah. those pieces? Because it's something that's very important. And there's so much, there's so many layers to this that for me, at least to answer that question, to understand this detective, I need to go see that. I'm anticipating a little bit he put in stuff. different level of appreciation yes. of how everything's yeah. going to work together on this. But for me, just knowing that We've got things subverted. I'm still anticipating high rewatchability. I, I think so, too. And I just even as JJ and I are watching the movie, like the, in the fir- those first 15, 20 minutes as we're getting them lying to you, once you discover they're lying and that there are uh, like you see the same shot from different character perspectives and you realize. It, it was like the third or fourth one. JJ looks at me and he's like, oh, did you see that? I'm like, oh, my God, there are different things going on on screen of the same flashback. In every story. Yep. In every story. And Meaning I thought changes. that was just. Yes. Yes. Different changes. people different behind people the sparkler are, There's a person on the right. Because that's how they remember yes. themselves or that's how they want to present themselves. In the, They were the closest one behind the most important person behind him blowing out the cake. That stuff is going to have ramifications very yes. very fun. highly rewatched and then we have the the dogs barking right the the dogs yep. barking which which ends up to be a key thing to unsolve the mystery it, it's only mentioned once in the earlier part and i'm sitting there thinking 
how come they're not mentioning this over and over again? And it's because Benoit or Benoit Blanc is able to bring that back up later on when he wants to do it. The other thing, uh, as Ransom storms out, Chris Evans storms out of the room in the first time he does it, uh, old uh, great grandma says, Ransom? And then she never does it in anyone else's story. So I can't remember whose story that was either. And why was it in that story? Like, that's about the piano pinging too. I think... I I had to consider it when you asked, you know, whether it's going to hold up on rewatch. But I think it is because I think it's going to get more fun, especially when you love this movie. It's going to get more fun for you to start piecing everything together. I think he's um, too meticulous to not yeah. have all of that stuff. It's almost right? you get a bit of a Kubrick Kubrick feel for it of like, especially it makes so much sense that he's had this kicking around since Brick because this film is meticulous. You brought up the dog thing. I love just, and we don't, we, it's not even worth, he does this little bit of subterfuge just to cover because the dog can be such an easy clue. Right. Because we get a clue from the dogs and then the dogs react one way to one person, but he throws that in by saying, by having Daniel Craig say, I always find the dogs are a good judge of character. He's now changed what the dogs mean. Ryan Johnson has in front of your eyes and it just it's just remarkable that's pretty special and i think that part of the reason why the the subversion works is because ana de armas as marta is so darn likable so even 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 after we learn that she's accidentally you know killed this person and then she's trying to cover it up in some really elaborate and uh potentially not comfortable ways if you see her as trying to get away with murder you know this is before we learn that she's going to be the recipient of the fortune which is you know a spoiler as well but before we learn all that she's still just trying to get away with it because of this but because she's so likable in this role and it, her family and all and she has the right motivations and all this stuff she she carries this movie through it's her story and she carries it through in a way that's really special because then as we get to turn towards the end and the reason why we understand that she is the protagonist because she wins because of her uh, her goodness of heart it, it's all consistent throughout the movie and at no point are you ever questioning whether we should be rooting for marta the little things he does and when he does it And when you meet her family in the beginning, which seems at first like a throwaway scene, of course, becomes incredibly important. He also doesn't make the mistake of doing the original Cape Fear, where they're all like, I just fed a puppy. I'm a nun. And because that's not relatable, (laughs) the daughter, you know, the younger sister is a little bit of a brat. But the mother is saying, no, we have to really feel about each other. So you really believe them. And then the sister, I mean... This feels like a script that has been rewritten and rewritten and refined and refined and refined without feeling robotic. Now, in a in you when we usually say that on this show, it's usually as a negative, right? Rewritten yeah. and rewritten, right. and rewritten. Well, because it doesn't is, feel rewritten by committee. It right? feels like it's one Ryan's vision movie. getting yep. better and better and better. Yep. That's the difference, I think. Yep, he workshopped. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, to the bone. And you know, to the credit of the cast, I I have to say, like, how thrilling was it? to see uh, Jamie Lee Curtis and Don Johnson right? together oh. in this. I mean, Don Johnson <laughs> Don was Johnson just was great so to see. Good. He, was he was so good. He and their the final, like just the way their relationship worked and, and uh, uh, the way it unraveled at the end, I thought was just, it was just great. Him in the driveway was just perfect. Uh, and, you know, Michael Shannon uh, and, and Tony Collette. I mean, they just, they, I mean, this was, this was just a terrific, terrific cast. And and I'm already on the record as saying I think Chris Evans was was just perfect in this movie and how great it was. His, uh, you know, his sequence at the end is, um, you know, I've got an idea. Each. <laughs> I mean, that was that was transcendent. That was yes. an absolutely perfect, you know, uh, family meeting. Golden cinema moment for Chris Evans. Yeah, in that too. <laughs> yes. Um, Golden. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I would bring up with this, because we start talking about how all these characters are so wonderful at embodying their characters. Tony Collette, I thought, was spectacular. I've not seen her do that type of thing ever before to be this kind of hippie and this sort of middling character where she's both uh, ultra positive and yet totally superficial. I thought that was wonderful and she did it so well. One of the things that I think is interesting is that in all of the promotion for this movie, 
none of this story has been set out. What they are are all these character vignettes. So I've seen the Tony Collette one pretty much consistently in my feed, in my Instagram feed, and all this stuff about Flam and all of her. And she's doing a, literally a promo for her <laughs> oh, company. That's neat. Yeah, and it's yeah. nothing yeah. about the movie. It's just all about right. Tony Collette and, uh, or, or the character, right? I should, you know, this thing. And I think that's really interesting because there are an entire, <laughs> there's an entire world of people <laughs> that really despise when trailers give you the movie. And right. what, what, whoever made this trailer to promote this movie did a great job of saying is it's going to be this kind of movie so show up and here are the people yeah. that you're going to witness it's you know here's colonel mustard let's take a look at colonel mustard yeah. right i think that was great so there were three of those videos there's one for for tony collette so f- for her for for joni there's also one for walt thromby and he talks about the publishing house and all these new you know the products that they're going to be developing and then there's also a real estate ad for linda drysdale it's all on the website. So I went there. There is actually a huge contest oh. going. So there's there's clues hidden in those videos. The web because movies so rarely have oh, an actual is it, website is it anymore. One of those AI contests so there's, where there's a whole yeah, other so there's, world. There's well, not quite that far, <clears> but there are clues apparently in the posters and in the, the little you know promo videos that you go and you answer some questions to solve a mystery and. Yeah, not quite as big as the beast yeah. thing from AI, but but a similar type you of yeah. you spend your time doing some research, checking out the the website. So, because I was wondering why they did that as well, because you don't see those types of promotions for movies anymore. They huh. they they're going sort of old school with the big contest. What do you win? Do you know? Prop knife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's you have to answer a question. We have to start, and I guess you have to answer the big question, and that gets you some type of digital prize and then that will get you an entry into the big i want to play that sounds great oh that's so, there you go that's Tommy. a perfect thing to do for this kind of movie that makes yes. sense oh yeah is yes. ryan johnson known for being kind of a jj abrams puzzle box person his movies are puzzle boxes but is he known as sort of loving this kind of meta i don't know i haven't seen his ted talk <laughs> I don't actually know. If you okay, no, not that I'm aware okay. of. Cool. No. I love what that. About, stuff. What um, about the other players? I mean, we've talked about all pretty much the big names here. Who are some of the other people that you loved in this movie? Well, can I talk about the one I have a problem uh, with? Of course. What? <gasps> can Can we talk about Jaden Martell as Jacob Thromby, who is sort of like the punching bag punchline character? He there's not. He has minimal amount of screen time. He, you know, minimal role in the plot. There's not a whole lot for him to do. And I know that there are some people, and I think Pete, you can probably put this in the show notes, that he, his character was inspired by sort of those angry online fans. Um, and they're just, that was angry the one online character fans I, of what? Because of the whole Star Wars Last Jedi thing. Oh. This was his sort of beating up the fanboys that came after him. And I, huh. that's a, I think there's more so, to so it this than was, that. This was his getting, he's getting back at the community by putting in an alt-right troll into his movie yeah. and not giving him anything to do. <laughs> Triumph. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I, to me, I don't, I can cast aside that whole, whether, whether or not it's a personal thing about him and the online, you know, hate groups, whatever. Uh, it, it tied in very nicely, I think, to the whole sort of political conversations that we see the family having and, you know, how parents and kids may be at different ends of the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Gives a sense of time and place now. But as far as the story, he's the one character that didn't have, you know, everybody else had something to gain or lose or was somehow playing this game. Jacob is the only one that just is really sort of really passive about everything because, you know, Meg's got her whole college thing going on. She's got a relationship with, with Marta. Um, but, but Jacob, he just, wasn't there well, and I guess even Donna. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's the, the we've got two characters that are present but just really have no active Donna, role wife in of the Walt? story. Is that who you're talking about? Yes. I think there's exactly, a cut of this yeah. movie where he has more scenes. And they were cut out because he's so either polarizing or is such a villain or too timely, something like that. That to your credit, I believe, I think that, and he's like a real actor, like he's with it and all this stuff. He's such a huge up and comer. I think that maybe they just sort of shot it, re-looked at it and was like, he's pushing things because I like how he uses the, uh, 
socio-political uh, situation that we're going in where um, Don Johnson's character isn't saying like, kill everybody. They will not replace us. He's delivering what he thinks are very salient points, which mm-hmm. a certain right. amount yes. of people and maybe having that character talk too much. That character does drop the term anchor babies, but that's just my guess. Yeah. I enjoy conjecture mystery. Yeah. I think one of, I mean, it, one of my favorite p- parts is when Don Johnson, where they're having the family argument and Don Johnson is trying to make the point that, uh, that Marta's family came here legally and wanted to bring her in yes. to ask her for a comment to like back yeah. him up. And then he hands her yeah. a plate. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh. <laughs> that was devastating. Yeah. And also when he was, when he quotes Hamilton, when he goes, immigrants, yeah. we get the job done. <laughs> Hamilton, done. right? Yeah, Hamilton, I was right. like missing the boys. Okay. He looked like he was having a ball. Yeah. Don Johnson. Yes. They were just yeah, cut to him sometimes. And he would just be laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought all of that was handled really interestingly. Um, that's just my guess, Steve, is because so much of it was so subtle that maybe his character would have pushed it to the side. Well, it, and it's and how quickly can that conversation completely derail the reason we show up to this movie? Right. Like this isn't a movie about that. And we want that side character not to take us in a direction where we we're feeling something that distracts us from the why done. Exactly. It, right? It's meant yes. to be. A, a, an extreme comedic point within the mystery, not what the movie is about. They want to oh, use no, that I, I agree. as opposed to making the movie about that. So I think I think you may be right, Tommy. I did it. Welcome back to Conjecture.com. <laughs> we saw in the credits roll, we saw Jordan Joseph Gordon-Levitt, just Joe. What? Had a credit he's, in this he, movie. He, he's, Looper? It's voice only. Yeah, yeah it's a voice yes. cameo. It's voice. Well, because it goes back to... To Brick and also Looper. Um, Looper. Yes. yes. Well, Looper, but the other like detective. Oh, <laughs> the other detective is. Um, <laughs> I liked it. Tro- Trooper Wagner. So the other troop. So we've got the two that are there at the beginning. So Noah Segan, he was also early back, you know, in Brick. So oh, it's Ryan Johnson having those that. actors. Yes. So he's he's got his boys That's that he's, nice. you know, his lucky charms, I think he brings with him. I don't know. I love that. I love it yes. when filmmakers bring people along, even just for yes. little things, almost like, oh, you yes. said lucky charms. I was just, I'm just repeating what yes. you said. Yeah. <laughs> love you, Tommy. <laughs> Totems. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Totems. Ooh. So anything else about other, any other cast members that you want to point out? Uh, we talk about that, you know, him bringing along these people. There's a lot of kind of bit parts in here. He's making some tributes yes. as well. Yeah. There were those. There were two. The first one was Frank Oz. This is that. That is absolutely. Uh, it was great to see him. First thing he's been in since Blues Brothers 2000. Wow. Uh, where he is not a voice character yeah. performer. Uh, but the the other one was M. Emmett Walsh. And it just it I had to take a minute as I was reading about this, because yeah. the the part that M. Emmett Walsh plays, the sort of gate guard security guy was supposed to be played by Ricky Jay, who apparently they 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 were ready to do it. And he passed uh, away on uh, November 24th last year. And he made it sound like uh, he almost so passed a, on the role, but he passed. He passed from <laughs> life. Yeah, he, passed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he passed before the he was fired from breathing. Statue. Yes. Uh, but he's in the, uh, but he's in the movie. I mean, he, his there picture, is a picture of yeah. him in the movie. Right. Right. Just right before um, uh, we see Walsh on screen. So it, it was, it's just, it's great. I miss Ricky J. Me too. That was it. And I will officially never stop enjoying watching Michael Shannon play Michael Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> he's he is not throwing a lot of variation in there. Either he's a mean, scary sucker or a mean, scary bully. And either way, I'm I'm in. Oh, and this time he has a cane and a beard. Woo! I am in the Michael Shannon business. Used, oh, they use that cane so threateningly. Oh, yes. That yes. rubber yeah. foot at the bottom yeah. was scary. Yes, yes, yes. Well done. Uh, and, and a lot of yeah. shots. There were a lot of tight shots like that to inst- yep. instill drama. I think that's one of the things that's maybe interesting about the camera here is that they uh, interspersed a lot of the sort of dialogue pieces with uh, uh, off shots or doing these things where you can make the transition in a way that's dramatic as you go. And I was really happy with that. One of my favorite shots in the movie is actually the first shot when we get, we see the house in the distance and we're slowly coming up in the house and we see the dogs chasing and there's this great sort of string piece coming in. I was reminded of like a, a Yorgos Lanthimos thing, like from the lobster, right? As is like, you're going to come into this dark 
comedic thing. And it really showed this kind of appreciation of here is the set. Here is where we're coming. It put, brought us into everything really wonderfully. So I was really happy with the camera throughout. I didn't think there was any wasteful stuff from the camera as, mm. as we went through this movie. So I do want to talk about Lakeith Stanfield and his Lieutenant Elliot, who to me is sort of the grounding factor in this because we've got all this craziness going on and he keeps things rooted in reality. And it's one of my favorite lines, which was, that was the worst car chase ever. <laughs> because it was accurate. That's yeah. the big part. Yes, yeah. exactly. Not the audience. <laughs> Surrogate. He's the audience surrogate, you think? I think Lakeith Stanfield, yeah, because he's the one yeah. saying, yeah. settle down, you're kind of crazy, Foghorn Leghorn. He doesn't say Foghorn Leghorn, yeah. but he's the one right. that's like, yeah. we can wrap this up. This is all dumb. Like right. That. And then it just keeps <laughs> becoming, he, he's the one saying, you're all nuts. You're all right. crazy. And that piano yes. is annoying. Like he's. <laughs> if, and, and making him the audience surrogate makes me like his character more because right. otherwise the character doesn't really have a point. In There's the not story. as much to hang on to. Right. Yeah. So that's if you my call guess. him the audience surrogate, I'm actually going to be happier with his position. I liked some of his lines too. And I think, uh, I think Lakeith did a great job there. I, I was happy with the way he brought it off, but I was disappointed that the character didn't really have a position there other than to be a counter to the super fan other officer right so i think i was really happy i re I really like thinking of him as the audience surrogate in this role i think he was the one person that wasn't in some way a cartoon character yes. everyone was such an yeah. extreme in some way or campy <laughs> or something he just mm -hmm. and yeah. that's his brilliance of just being able to talk normal right he also yeah. didn't cool it up he also didn't go hey everybody like he was just like what's happening <laughs> Right. This yep. house is so dumb. And if and if and if you take the genre, right? If mm -hmm. he is the audience surrogate, he doesn't need to be along for the ride when Benoit and Marta go places because he doesn't know. And and the idea for us as audience members with the mystery is we're not supposed to know. We're supposed to be what is going on right now. So I think I really like that. I hadn't thought of that before. So I think that's really great. Also, if you haven't seen it, go watch. Sorry to bother you. That is all. I still I haven't see seen this. Yes. What? I still haven't. That's I haven't seen movie, Parasite. Right? I'm still getting through the Police Academy movies. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else about the production that you guys uh, found uh, particularly special in what we were doing here? The production design is oh, almost yeah. like it's this close to being too distracting. How do you mean? The house, you mean? It's just, just the, yeah, the, the house is yeah. so loveliness of the, the amount of stuff in the background, in yeah, every yeah, scene yeah. for a movie based on clues and stuff. At times I realized, Oh, how long have I been staring at that other bear? But you know, what's and so great about that time is like the whole thing. It's a house about a murder mystery writer, which who is, yes. and, and is the entire movie is a MacGuffin, right? <laughs> of course the production yeah. design is going to be chock full of stuff yeah. that you think you're supposed to look at. And Steve Yedlin uh, behind the, the camera, I think he does an incredible job of the way they cut together our focus on those tchotchkes. And every time we get a little bookend between acts where always they focus on pieces of the house, they become more aggressive, they right? Do. They become more interesting and there's teeth bared by the end. And, <laughs> and, and I just think it was used so beautifully. Yeah. And uh, so of course I I'm I'm just I think that's just luscious and incredible patience uh not to use the ring of the the son of oh, yeah. knives until yeah. the very very last moment. I thought that was yes. just great. I expected them to pull a knife out of there way earlier mm. and uh to to hold that off and to that great reveal scene where we we come in across kind of parallax to the yep. knives and mm -hmm. and Benoit turns around and it's just a great it's a great dramatic moment this movie is full of such perfect hero shots I I um they, I just thought it was exhilarating Steve Yedlin did all of of his uh, movies too he's, he's oh they've he's been sort of made a yeah. Yeah. They're partners that's great. I love it yeah 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 I think one of my favorite production design pieces in the whole movie is the trick window that has a painting of someone oh, coming yes. through the window. Oh, coming through it. a window. <laughs> I love Talk that. about a MacGuffin in a McMuffin right, right there. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> now, Pete, aren't you the person that really despises when movies use the title in the dialogue? I am. And I am. I'm that I'm that guy. I, I hate it you directly so much. when they said it. I know. And I know. You know what? Because I like the movie so much, it had earned a lot of credibility to me. So it's I not figured. like it lost a star at that moment. But uh, this this was one of those movies where, uh, to me, it was in the 
it, it was in world enough that uh, it, it felt kind of of a piece to the narrative. And in, I, I have to admit. in sentence enough. Like they didn't. Yeah. No one went. Yeah. They really have their knives out. Knives like it wasn't out. real. Yeah. You truly right. are the miracle worker. That's not all. That's also not. Uh, I think I've talked to the podcast before that a friend of the show, Todd Weinger, uh, believes that every movie should end with the title. That was quite a Malagro Beanfield War. It should always. This experience was a real looper. Yeah, exactly. Boy, is he psycho. Anyways, uh, I feel like I've made these exact same comments on other ones uh but no i was i liked it 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 was so natural in the script it made me wonder what came first that line or the title because i feel like when you're going through of like hey that's kind of fun um yeah yeah. i think that's fair Uh, it also uh was shot in boston and on location in a lot of places in massachusetts Mm -hmm. that isn't super normal right i mean is he a boston guy I don't know the answer Order. to that. No, he's um he's from Colorado, Ryan. Johnson. What? Yeah. From where? Yeah. But I'm from Colorado, and I'm not famous <laughs> or successful. <laughs> What's his secret? <laughs> you have to make a movie that's a brand yeah. <laughs> and end oh. it with that line. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was really happy with it, and it really did appear like the location shots. I thought were special. I was happy with the fact that they did that. I wonder it, is there a house in like this in Boston that they shot? That's great. If there is, it's gotta be. I think that's yeah, wonderful. They really made use of the location shots in a very special way. I was happy with all that. If you guys don't have anything else to say about this movie, it might be time for us to rank it. Knives out to share and find out where this film shall rank. As we declare knives out to slash a rank rehash. Will we agree or shall we clash knives out? That was to the tune of Beetlejuice for no reason. That was seriously the Yoda baby of Tom's fantastic. <laughs> it's been flick a while. Songs. It's been a while since yeah. we've had a great Tommy Flickchart song, and well that's because earned. movies have kind of stunk for a while. So I am <laughs> really happy that we had that one. Thank Very you. cool. We've got all the movies that we've talked about on this show ranked over at flickchart.com slash TNR film board. Flickchart is a really cool site where you can create a tournament style stack ranking of your movie preferences. So check it out and find out how your film favorites fare against ours. I think all of us have individual flick charts or most of us do as well. And I think it's really fun to do this. So let's do it for the show. Pete, where do we start? Mm. Knives out or hail Caesar. Knives out. Knives out. Knives out. Knives out it is. How about knives out or split? <gasps> oh, that's not fair. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to say knives out. Opening bid with knives out. And I am going to go with knives out. <gasps> Two for knives out. Are you waiting for me Tommy? or are you going to go, Pete? No, I'm waiting for you. I might change this, but I'm going to say knives out. Okay. Pete? Outstanding. Knives out takes it. Nice. But that was fun to have a real humdinger right in the beginning. Usually we're like <laughs> monuments men or monuments men. And I just want to go take a nap. <laughs> How about Knives Out or Guardians of the Galaxy? Knives Out. Guardians of the Galaxy. <gasps> Stevie. Knives oh. Out. Petey. Petey. Crud. Petey. Um, You're both the sharks. I think, <laughs> I, I think I'm going to have to say... Um, I'm with Tom. I kind of get excited and I don't know. It's a, the curse of recency here. Take it. Um, no, no, it's not the curse of recency. It's, it's the, there's some movies that are very enjoyable, but have just their popcorn fun. And then there's films yeah. that are, are fun for different reasons. And so it's, it's a flick chart hate crime and it's, yeah, it is. it's, it's very so, tough. So what were yes. you, Steve? Yeah. You were knives out. I was knives out. Yeah. Take that recency. I'm, I'd prefer I'm, to not do rock scissors doing, this. I'm doing Knives Out. Okay, great. Knives okay. Out takes it. Then, all right. What a crappy horror movie that would be. Like someone trips over a homeless gypsy and they're like, I give you recency. <laughs> oh, no. I don't even know how that curse would work, but it sounds terrible. <laughs> all right. How about Knives Out or uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Into the Spider-Verse. Oh. Knives Out, but close. <laughs> Spider-Verse. Oh, again. Just barely. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I think that I am uh, Spider-Verse on this oh. one. Okay. Mm. Ah, that crushes me, too. But I'm fine with that. Um, that doesn't hurt my heart. It, Cool. Well, it hurts my heart because that means that this movie, Knives Out, does not crack the top 10. Oh. It is number 11 oh. on oh. our flick chart. That means it's bullet. right behind Doctor Strange and right in front of Guardians of the Galaxy between the Marvels. I personally wish it would have come up against The Last Jedi, but it did not, alas. So that would have alas, been interesting. it did not. The Last, the Last Jedi. Jedi is way up there. Oh, yep. um, really? Actually, it's not. Wait a minute. That's yes. the Force Awakens. It's number seven. Well, the, it's yes, it's there. number seven. Yes. Last Jedi is yeah. number seven. Force Awakens is number five. Yes. So. This is a far superior yeah. movie to The Last Jedi. All right. Well, it, so how did it do on everybody else's? Well, so my middle block is not Hail Caesar. My middle block is Forrest Gump. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so it's in the bottom half because I can't say yeah. Knives Out is better oh. than Forrest Gump. Yeah, you can. Eh, you can. I, I like Forrest Out. <laughs> forest out i like forest, forest out Look. all right never mind <laughs> where are you guys on stars i say i'm giving it three and a half J- so wait a minute jj are you three and a half with a heart yes i am heart and tommy four with a heart of gold four heart and steve i am four with a heart and this one came at number 108 on my flick chart, that's the 77th percentile, right below. It's right there next to Ford versus Ferrari. So, wow. I haven't seen that's that, you stinker. Yeah. yeah. You shall have recency. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and I am 4.5 and Ooh, a heart. Very nice. I Ooh. really like this movie. And in fact, I see no, I'm going to see it again. And I have every single hope that this is going to be a five-star movie for me. I really enjoyed it, and I I just, I struggle with thinking of anything wrong with it, and you guys haven't helped that. So nice. uh, it's, it's four and a half and climbing. I think that's awesome. And you know what? One of the things I want to point out here before we talk about where we're going to go from here is that we actually did not reveal who really no. done it. Oh, How interesting. We that. We never so, did it. We don't I'm spoil movies. The, well, <laughs> you know, there's a lot there's a lot to see in this movie and I'm happy that if you've stuck with us through this point that you still are going to enjoy some really neat surprises about this movie cuz that's kind of what a mystery should do. So, I just kind of wanted to leave it there and I love uh, it. That's cool. Clearly from all of us, we do think people should go see this movie. Where do we go from here? Next month is December and we are yes going to go see The Rise of the Skywalker. We have a lot of Star Wars lore and history on this show of doing that. Um, so we're going to go see it and see what follows Ryan Johnson on the Star Wars parade. Uh, Pete, Pete, what are you guys doing on the main show? Uh, we're in the Steve Martin parade. Yeah. And hey! we're right in the middle of it. And uh, the jerk and let's see, the jerk is out uh, this week. Yep. As you listen to this, Pennies from Heaven uh, is a real laugh riot. I just and, rewatched though the uh, the Christopher Walken dance scene is one of my favorite things, which is fantastic. Yeah, I love yes. that. Well, scene. pretty much. I mean, what Christopher Walken dance scene isn't <laughs> imminently rewatchable? He's fantastic. Uh, and you guys, what did you guys just did? Uh, we had a trailer rewind that you were happy about. That's right. We did all about Nina, yeah. which is yes. a kind of small film about stand up comedy, but it is extremely dramatic. And uh, there's something that's going to come out soon so people can listen to it on the show, right? It's actually, by the time this is out, it's already out. Nice. And so you yes. should go to check your feed and listen to it. We're just yes. a show a day around here. Look a show us. a day. Look at us. Oh. Nextreel.com slash merch. <laughs> also, I did forget to talk about it specifically <laughs> in the show open, but all you wonderful people out there after you go to the nextreel.com slash merch uh, <laughs> should come join us over on our Discord server for a pittance of support at patreon.com slash the next reel you can come hang out with us on our server where we discuss lots of remarkable things from throughout the entertainment universe there's also specific chats about all of our shows so come and join the gang and post up with us we play nice all we are asking for is a mere hay penny and if you don't have a hay penny i don't know the next god line. bless you oh <laughs> oh that's right that's what it was i should I really thought that one of you two <laughs> would, would know that. Okay, go ahead. Nope. Uh, Discord is where we'll keep the conversation going. But for this one, say goodnight, Pete Wright. Good night, yep. Pete Wright. I'm going to be here. Don't worry yep. about it. You guys leave. <laughs> I got it. I'm going to hold down the fort. See you later, Tommy Ansem. Good night, Pete Wright. <laughs> <laughs> and one more word from Steve Sarmento. Hondo. That's the one at the next reel when the movie ends. Our conversation begins. 
Till next. Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREEL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well.